0: to the Practical Research Parenting Podcast.
1: Here's your host, Nicole Weeks. Hello. So I'm really looking forward to speaking to Dr. Catherine Hurrell today. Catherine is a PhD-qualified clinical psychologist. Her PhD thesis was called Emotion Regulation in Children with an Anxiety Disorder, The Role of Parent Factors. She's an expert in how our attitudes and behaviours as parents influence our children's emotional regulation. Catherine practices as a clinical psychologist in Sydney and has her own blog, which you can find at www.catherinehurrellpsychologist.com.au, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So here's the interview. So I'd like to discuss anger in children, particularly young children in the two to five age range. Um, So often when kids at these ages feel angry, they throw tantrums um, and or they lash out at their parents or siblings or friends. Um, so might anger be expressed in other ways as well? It's mm, a great question. And for sure, anger can be
0: expressed in other ways than just by throwing tantrums or lashing out, um, even though that's how typically we think of anger in younger children. It's also what gets our attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, for instance, anger, you know, could be expressed in non-aggressive ways as well. So children might sulk, cry. They might whine or half storm off. Um, for some children, if they have the verbal ability, they might try to communicate their anger through the use of words, mm-hmm. although that is typically reserved for older children.
1: Yeah. What sort of ages do you know? I mean, it's obviously
0: yeah, it, on the child. But... It can depend, and sometimes there can be gender differences as well. There is, um, you know, people will suggest that. You know, girls for example um, may be more verbal earlier on mm-hmm. and may have you know more can be more in tune with emotions but that's a generalization mm-hmm. um so it just does depend on children's cognitive ability um also how parents communicate to their children as well they will learn about emotions and emotion words through the discussions they have with parents so if that is happening in their family, they may be more likely to actually, um, you know, follow that and try to communicate that, you know, to their parents or just even through, you know, expressing, I don't like that um, or go away. You know, there's anger behind that as well. So they might do it in using um, non-emotion words, just expressing their dislike or disapproval of something. Yes, Yeah. Um, You know, they, they might also show anger through resistance or defiance, um, so when they choose not to cooperate or by being stubborn, yep. yeah, so it's very opposite of a typical anger tantrum. Yep. So if you think of the young child who has their arms folded, you know, feet are firmly planted, they're scowling, you know, giving that a stare, um, there's anger there, but they're not actually just thrashing about. And there are also those who might have more silent tantrums. So where they lie down on the ground, almost catatonic, you know, not moving, expressionless, um, which can also be just as unnerving for for parents um, because they're not actually expressing it in the way that we typically think of it.
1: Yeah, okay. Does it have to do with how overwhelming that emotion of anger is as to how they'd react?
0: I would suggest that definitely. And also their level of control. Mm. So children who might be more stubborn or silent with it might feel – that they can control themselves, yet they're actually still very very angry on the inside, whereas sometimes if they're just so overwhelmed that um, they don't quite have that capacity to do that, that they are literally kicking and throwing things or, you know, banging things. Um, and there are some children who will direct the anger towards themselves, um, which can concern parents. They will talk about their children who might be, you know, head-banging, for instance, or biting the backs of their hands, um, hitting themselves which is really a sign of frustration and stress yeah
1: Mm. okay so teaching kids how to deal with these emotions is I guess very important
0: it's extremely important. Yeah. It really is like an important task of um I suppose parenthood and for, for children developing that emotions are a part of life. We can't escape them. Yeah. That we we are the people predominantly, particularly early on in their life, who will um socialise children. Yeah. With their emotions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But when they're in the middle of a an emotional mm-hmm. down, that's mm a hard time to teach or you can't really teach then, can you?
0: It's tricky, you know, and um, certainly being present is one thing with, with a tantrum. You know, um, I think there has been advice to to ignore it, and certainly there are times where it might be appropriate to, particularly if it's very difficult to to manage. You're out in public; it's a small confined space, mm-hmm. then you have to sort of move along and keep going with what you need to. Um, but sometimes ignoring isn't helpful always. You know, just to escape or to avoid. But being present near your child is really important. That you give the message that I'm here. I do support you. So when they are so overwhelmed and physically aroused, mm-hmm. um, it's very difficult to reason with a child in that state. It's making sure that they are safe and being nearby. Yeah. And often you'll find there's two parts to the tantrum. So there's the angry component yeah. at the very beginning, that they're really reacting quite strongly to what they don't like or what you're trying to get them to do. And then if you just wait a little bit longer, um, that will then transition into sadness. So you often have that crying yeah. um, aspect that comes out and that's when you can really, um, you know, offer more comfort or, or talk yeah. talk it through. So sometimes just being close by and waiting, yeah, can help.
1: And that's when they'll start to accept the hugs. I know I find yeah, hugs are just not accepted.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all, particularly if you're the reason behind that anger, yeah. you know, <laughs> they will be quite repelling of
1: you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so as parents, how we react to our child's negative emotions yeah. is really important. Um, so, can you talk us through some of the research in that area? For sure. Um, you know, there's a researcher by the name of John Gottman,
0: and he's a world-renowned expert in this area. Conducted loads and loads of studies, um, followed families for over 20 years. So, he's the the person to go to when it comes to to this research. And his research has actually stimulated a lot of other research in the in the field as well. So they actually studied, um, you know, how families communicate and looked at some important outcomes, such as, you know, how they performed in school, quality of their friendship, health, and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and they identified that, um, you know, parents who espoused a style of parenting that they termed emotion coaching mm-hmm. had children who went on to have better outcomes, better psycho, you know, social adjustment. Yep. Um, so what, what, um, Gottman and his colleagues found that it, parents who were emotion coaching they actually responded to their children's emotions in a supportive and warm manner they tended to tune into what their child was trying to express um, they listened with empathy yep. validated how their child was feeling what they were trying to communicate and really to connected in with their child to help resolve the distressing feeling you know they did that through you know, problem solving or offering comfort so they're sort of you know that's the description of a parent who is emotion coaching they're not afraid of emotions they will they will actually draw near to, to their children so that style of parenting um, helps children to learn how to regulate their feelings yep. and, and to do so in an adaptive way that leads to to better coping and there's now you know ample research that shows that children who do learn how to regulate emotions are less likely to develop emotional problems yep. and and tend to be you know um, more behavior- regularly regulated as well. Yeah Yeah.
1: okay so that's really sort of the opposite to ignoring I guess isn't it? It
0: is so ignoring is um, you know particularly if it's with an um, you know non-verbal sort of appearance that the the parent doesn't care that they're withdrawing themselves Mm -hmm. that that leaves a child with an emotional state that they're not sure what to do Um, and and sometimes ignoring I think can actually be risky at times because inevitably, you know, that sort of situation, parents can just have a rising sense of frustration and stress in themselves whilst they're still hearing their child go on and on and on and badgering them that a parent, you know, it doesn't take too long for them to actually react in, you know, you know, in a negative way or just as um, hostile, which then only serves to escalate the tantrum and it hasn't you know you haven't actually taught the child anything at that point and I understand it's a really normal response you know parents are going to get stressed and frazzled when they've got a lot going on they're trying to get out the door and you know they've got things to do get to work um being patient can be quite tricky but um yeah. but if more often than not we're able to actually recognize what's going on for our child and try to be close to them validate what's actually happening we will help our children to to regulate over time
1: yeah and so does that apply to all negative emotions equally so anger sadness that sort mm-hmm. of thing or is it particular to anger
0: it- no, look, it's across the board. You know, all emotions are really important that we can actually have those discussions with our children, help them to recognize what they're actually feeling. So, um, and that's the thing that some parents are better at that than others, um, simply because of our own learning experiences. So, it's actually just trying to learn, understand, oh, what is it that you're experiencing that looks like you are feeling afraid? Or, you know, did that make you feel angry? And so using those emotion words to label that feeling helps to teach that. Um, so it doesn't, that's not just for anger. However, um, in some of the research that I've looked at and even um, what came out of our own studies, was that anger was by far the most difficult for parents to um, coach. So, yeah, there's something more specific about anger. It may seem that. Um, you know, triggers perhaps that, you know, more destructiveness, particularly when it is more aggressive, that parents struggle with how to keep calm, to not react in in a punishing way, Um, you know. So it it is actually one of the more, you know, difficult emotions perhaps to actually try to coach around. So
1: sometimes it's after the fact. (laughs) Yeah, because I guess that is quite a biological trigger. If someone is angry at us, Mm -hmm. it's not easy to stay calm correct yeah that's right if it is your own child
0: absolutely because it tends to cross the line mm. it you know it might push our buttons particularly if we we are stressed or have a lot on that we think oh you know and also we think of it as being inappropriate or even as naughty behavior mm. and that can serve um you know or cause us to actually respond in a negative way and what we know about anger is that anger triggers anger which then mm. Um, reciprocates more anger so we find that there is an escalation you see this among siblings
1: also i guess it creates a a sense of danger i know when when my son's angry i'm worried about the safety of my daughter yes um so i get i guess that triggered maternal must protect daughter
0: absolutely (laughs) triggered absolutely and that's that fight or flight response that you're going in there with that protective mode so it short circuits um any sort of thinking process yeah um, <laughs> or rationality at times so you go in there and that's that's the right response isn't it to protect yeah um, but sometimes yeah, it's may not come off that helpful for the person who's experiencing that emotion so then it's trying to discuss it afterwards so i think safety first for sure
1: yeah 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 so safety first and i guess being there as much as you can, but um, sometimes I guess I find that if he's in that sort of me- mood, both Beth and I are sort of in danger. <laughs> yes. We sort of almost need to get something between us and him until he's... That's right. ...until he's through that anger stage and then we mm-hmm. can talk about it.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's also a good message that you do convey is that your anger puts us in a position where we feel unsafe yeah. and that's not okay. Yeah. So it communicates that the anger... Although anger itself is okay, the emotion, the way that you're expressing it in that aggressive way mm. is actually not okay. So so we have to withdraw from that.
1: Yeah, so to make that situation okay, I guess it's talking about the safety and that's why you're separating
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. and then talking about it afterwards. For sure. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And also looking at, you know, what is it that's triggering that anger? Yeah. What's behind it? Um, is it frustration or is it, uh, you know, perpetual sense of things not working out or unfairness as it typically is yeah. things are not fair particularly for children yeah. it's really important yeah um
1: yeah so getting them to discuss not only the feeling inside mm-hmm. but what's causing the feeling yes
0: yeah yep. and just exploring that as they may not be able to recognize that in themselves no, yeah. so just being able to have that conversation about oh you know that that you know was your sister was she continually getting in the way you were trying to build something and she was knocking it down that's really understandable that's frustrating so that's where you you know you validate um the anger itself but when she does that this is what we can do instead
1: yeah yeah so parental behaviors are often linked to parental attitudes can you talk a bit about this for sure um and it's certainly very
0: true Mm. (laughs) you know that our um you know, our beliefs about pretty much anything yeah. um, will actually determine how we respond and behave, and, and parenting certainly no exception to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, going back to um, John Gottman, who I mentioned earlier, and his his team of researchers, they coined the term "parental meta-emotion philosophy," which sounds rather complicated, mm-hmm. um, but all it is is really just a philosophy that parents hold about how we think and feel about emotions. Mm-hmm. In ourselves and our children so um, this is something we don't necessarily realize that we have going on it's more underneath um, not so much on the surface in terms of how we behave or why we behave but it does tend to direct our responses to children's emotions so you know um, broadly that fits along the continuum where parents who view emotions as okay that they are trying to communicate something that they are valid um, that we can accept them they tend to be parents who are more the emotion coaching type, who, who see the emotion in their children as a time to actually connect, right. to be close, to teach, to talk it through. So that will, if you have that belief, that emotions are okay and um, are an opportunity to connect with your child, then you're more likely to do that in a way that's supportive. Mm. Whereas parents who on the other end of the continuum that um, Gottman and his research has found were more emotion dismissing. And so that's where parents view emotions as perhaps harmful or toxic um, or even as manipulative or as not needed. You know, you shouldn't feel them, you should be happy. Um, And so parents with that belief might actually employ strategies to quickly change emotions in their children Mm.
1: um yeah this isn't just talking about how you see emotions in your children but how you see emotions in yourself very much so Mm. so parents who tend to emotion coach
0: will actually be higher on awareness of their own emotions Um, so they'll recognize what they're feeling as well and that helps the empathy process if you can understand what it feels like to to be angry Mm. and you recognise that in your child and you can see that happening, you're more likely to actually be able to tune in, yeah. you know, or, or be willing to, to um, you know, explore that with with them.
1: Mm. So there's, a, there's also more socially acceptable emotions and less socially acceptable mm-hmm. emotions. So does that sort of play into it as well?
0: It sure does, and I think that's an issue across cultures as well, mm. um, you know, that there can be certain virtues with being controlled and you know suppressing and not revealing how you feel we don't talk about it you know just go off and you know whatever it might be and that can lead to where emotions are dismissed and then children can be taught to suppress their feelings
1: yeah Mm. yeah i guess perceivably some parents might have emotion coaching approach to anger in boys but not to sadness in boys
0: that's very true actually yeah Mm. there can be those gender differences yeah. where it's definitely much more acceptable for children, you know, for girls to say, to cry. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas boys, it's like, come on, don't be a girl. You know, that's an especially harmful comment to make. Yeah. And and we know that that's not great for when, you know, boys grow up, that mm-hmm. there is that... Um, you know, risk later on that, you know, they won't seek help or talk about their feelings because they're supposed to be strong and to not
1: cry. Yeah, that's right. But then mm. I guess there's a lot of dads who are sort of were parented that way in their past and that's right. Don't necessarily recognise or accept their own sadness either.
0: No. So I think I think that's changing a little bit in this, yeah. in our society where we are having these types of discussion. Mm. Um and they brought more broadly available, um, certainly within schools as well. So there hopefully is change to that, um, but it takes a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. so I guess that, that would, the result would be that they might have better emotion regulation with certain emotions and not with others or they'd Perhaps. Yeah, they'd have potentially, I guess, the same ability to regulate, but they'd regulate them in different ways.
0: That's true as well. And I think just biologically um, there can be, you know, temperament's very important. There may may be differences in terms of biology for boys versus girls, um, you know, in terms of their propensity to perhaps um, feel certain emotions or how they express it. And then also what they see around them as well, not just by parents and in the home, but um, peer relationships. I mean, childcare workers will actually tell you, you know, how boys play versus how girls play Um, and there can just be those differences in terms of level of aggressiveness not necessarily in harmful ways but just that more aggressive play that might be associated with being a boy
1: yeah yeah so in previous generations tantrums were often put down to attention seeking behavior and Mm. recommendations were to ignore them yeah um is there a possibility that by empathizing and being there and Mm. supportive that we're also reinforcing the tantrum behavior
0: that's a great question, um and I think to an extent, there can be that going on, but I do generally think it's unhelpful um, you know firstly to label or just assume that children are simply trying to to gain attention or that they're even trying to manipulate it as some people would say it, yeah. and I do get that the tantrums can come about because they're not getting what they want or they're being told to do something. Um, but more than anything, tantrums are often a consequence of children feeling overwhelmed mm. and it's their struggle in dealing with such intense emotions. So they're actually trying to communicate that emotional state and, and what's actually going on. So empathising isn't exactly the same as reinforcement. Mm. Um, so, you know, for example, a, a child who has a tantrum because they don't want to go to bed,
1: yeah.
0: you know, and then a parent allows their child to stay up longer because of that is reinforcing that yeah. behaviour. So there are boundaries around it. So I think it's important to ask ourselves what is actually behind the tantrum? Look for the purpose um, in that. What are they trying to communicate? Is it frustration? Um, Is it actually anxiety? There could be other things going on. And so we need to be supportive and around them Um, and, again, but just be firm, remain calm and have boundaries. Yeah. yeah, so yeah.
1: I've, I've taken this approach with my kids and, and talking about the emotion and empathising mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. And I, I don't give in to what they're tantrumming about. So if they're mm-hmm. tantrumming about me saying no to something, then I won't mm-hmm. say yes because
0: mm-hmm.
1: tantrum or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I've been told or my parenting style has been criticised mm. for, yes, but you're giving in to their underlying need, which is your attention. Right, okay. Uh, and they say they want this and sure you're not giving them that, but that's not what they really want they really mm. want your attention okay um, yeah yeah so just, yeah, what are your thoughts?
0: Look, sometimes that might be the case. You know, I know that, um, certainly where, you know, any children who I work with who, um, parents come along with, you know, wanting some help in this area. Mm -hmm. Before I look at modifying behavior, really what I suggest is that parents actually spend quality time with their children. So if Mm -hmm. there is this belief that they just want your attention and will do anything for it, and yes, that can be certainly be the case, is actually make the interactions far more positive so have that quality time in with your child on a regular basis where there's no um there's no instructions you're just following their lead you're being in their world um and you kind of fill them up that way yeah and they're more likely to actually respond to you when it when you say it's time to do this or no you can't because they actually feel that connection and bond with you and they've had good quality attention from you so for sure um, you know, bad attention or, you know, punishment or whatever it might be is better than none. So that could be that. So I would suggest, you know, really have that quality time in, um, but children need you. And so I think if they're having attention, want your attention, well, of course you are the source of what they need. You know, you are the one who provides things, you can get things for them, you can make things happen. So it's sort of obvious that in a way that that's going to be there, but it's not always manipulative.
1: Yeah. I guess it's very hard to tell when a tantrum is is attention seeking and when it's For sure. when it's overwhelmed. And I think we just, just we get better at that with our child.
0: And each of them are very different. And it's also just being aware that how you um, you know it's not just one interaction that's going to determine the rest of you know, your parenting, all yeah. the outcomes for your child, but it's actually shaping. And so it's over time you will learn, um, you know, what's going on for your child. You may have got it wrong. That's okay. Yeah. You know, you fix that. You work on it. If you, you realize that actually they got their way with something and you gave attention to that behavior mm. um, that actually wasn't helpful, that reinforced it. Yeah. Then you just sort of, you know, take a step back and look at it and go, okay, well, what what do I need to do differently here?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it can be an issue, um, and it's just sort of trying to figure out when the tantrums are attention seeking. Yes. In which case, I guess it would be a, I'm sorry, you haven't had enough te- attention from me. Let's mm-hmm. set a time when you yeah. have yeah. undivided attention. But that's right. This and- behaviour isn't the way to get it.
0: Agree, and I think that too it can come up particularly when there's new siblings that arrive, mm-hmm. you know, that in a family setting that, you know, um, that tantrum, that behaviour may be an attempt to, to get your attention because you're giving it to the newborn yeah. um, or something else. And so it's like, a, you know, and of course if you do constantly give attention to negative behaviour, you reinforce it. Mm-hmm. So it's being very purposeful ourselves as parents to notice when our child is behaving well
1: so that you positively reinforce that. Yeah. Mm. That's right, and I guess if you're giving enough attention when they're, um, when they're acting well, mm. and you're giving attention when they're acting badly, then it's not actually, no longer a reinforcement schedule. So, yes, because it's it's general.
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, we were saying before that negative behaviour just <laughs> it's hard to ignore. It does get your attention. So when they're playing playing quietly, you sort of you know, leave them.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah is very tempting okay so is there anything else that um you think i or my listeners could learn about sort of emotion regulation and and our parenting around that
0: yeah um i think just in terms of you know if you like some specific strategies um or practices that that may be helpful um we were talking a bit before about you know supportive parenting um reacting to emotions like the emotion coaching there's a couple of reactions that that might you know listeners might find helpful so one of them um a problem focused reaction so that's where parents work with their children to problem solve a situation that actually led to their child's distress um, or to help them cope with it the stressor yeah. so for example say a child becomes angry and upset that they weren't invited to a birthday party yeah. uh, a problem focused strategy might be to help your child think of other ways they could still have fun you know, and be with their friends. So we could focus on that problem by organising a play date, you know, time at the park or another special outing to help them feel better by problem-solving it. Um, Another reaction might be that we focus on the emotion. So that means, again, with the birthday scenario, a parent, you know, uses a response that tries to soothe their child, just simply offering comfort. Um, being close to them, doing something fun with them to help them feel better. Yeah. So in both those scenarios, you're recognising that, you know, that's not a great feeling to not be invited to a birthday, to, to miss out. And so you're trying to help them feel better through doing something with them, being close, yeah. um, and also allowing them to express and communicate their their feelings. So, yeah. you know, sit with them and, and listen to how bad it feels for them to to not be invited, even if they're angry.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I guess that's also a um, learning experience—is learning how long to be in the sort of empathy phase, and mm. how, and then when to switch to the problem or the emotion focus. Absolutely, trying to help them feel better because I, yeah. so I think I'm often I'll tend to spend too long in the empathizing phase, which means I'm sort of bringing back up the emotion even after it was sort of subsiding.
0: Mm. It's tricky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think at times, often, you know, um, what I do recommend is that at least if, first of all, you can validate, the more that, you know, the early on that you can actually just validate that emotion, like, oh, you know, that really sucks, doesn't it? That I can tell that you feel upset and that doesn't feel good, you know, when we miss out. Making that connection early on helps your child to see that you actually get it. Yeah. That that in and of itself, communicating that actually helps to bring down their emotion a little bit mm-hmm. so they're better able to actually regulate and then listen to what you've got to say next. Yeah. Whereas if you just jump in there and go, oh, look, it doesn't matter, let's just do this anyway, we'll go get an ice cream, you're kind of missing the point. Yep, That might be helpful, but right now they're feeling really bad about something. Yeah, yeah So meet them where they are there.
1: Yeah, so it's these two steps. Hmm. So without the first one, the hmm. validation, Mm-hmm. Or, in a way, dismissing the emotions and just Correct. move on.
0: And it's very easy to do. And look, you know, that, that process, if you know, particularly with children who, um, you know may have you know higher needs Mm. um or are quite emotionally um you know their tendency to be quite intense this can be quite draining for a parent who needs to validate a lot and over and over so it's something that you know can wear you down as a parent but the rewards are really really high Mm. so it's having to work on your own emotional regulation at times and at least just choosing on certain occasions that i am going to tune in um yeah
1: And do you validate, um, regardless of what the emotion is about? Like, I guess often, especially young kids, might seem to flip out over something that seems very minor to us. Mm -hmm. But is that still a situation where you would validate that I can see that you're feeling this because of that?
0: Yes. Yeah. Most certainly. I think that. it can be hard sometimes as adults to actually see it from a child's perspective. So that's, again, being able to put yourself in their shoes as to why it's actually a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we can do that as well. And I get that if that's happening a lot, the same sort of scenario might happen where it can feel like it's tiring and, come on, can't you just get over it? Yeah. But you can, you can build that up in them over time is that let's, you know, focus on how we can actually um, solve this for you. What yeah. can we do?
1: yeah okay great so there's problem focused and emotion focused and before that you're validating is there any other tools that you wanted to suggest
0: they're probably you know two of the common ones you know being able to discuss emotions with children um like i said at the beginning is really important that it teaches them about emotions and those words and and what we can do to calm down um so really identifying that in early on that your children are feeling something they might storm in um to the room angry you can that's an opportunity to say hey what's what's happened do you want to talk about it um so being there when it's actually happening can be helpful mm-hmm. um to to try to communicate and if it's not getting anywhere then come back to it a little later on yeah. um you know and stories reading books can actually help children to become um, emotionally you know skilled as well mm. there's there's a lot of empathy that they learn through reading stories mm. um, so that's other tools not just from what's happening in their world but also um, through reading books and, and modeling as well to your children how to cope so if they're if you're trying to teach them these lessons but you're also um, not keeping your cool yes. you know in driving in the car and you're expressing all this frustration and stress and not handling it very well then you're teaching them them how to cope you know through those ways as well
1: yeah and something else I just recently did that I, I felt was quite good was after Xander well we'd both actually had a bit of a meltdown and mm. I didn't deal with it very well mm. um afterwards I said okay let's let's try to once we would both calmed down let's try to relive that scenario and see if mm. we can do it better this time wow and that seemed to work really well because Xander was really excited after that that we got a better outcome. Mm. Um, yeah. so that, Great. Yeah, that was good too. I'm not sure whether it's going to translate to in the heat of the moment, but I guess we can but hope.
0: It certainly, um, you know, helps. And, again, those sorts of scenarios over and over does help to teach him. And it also shows that, hey, you know, i got a second chance with this, you know. understood Mm. this is what went wrong Mm. and this is what we can do better and I think yeah it's almost like having that debrief isn't it
1: yeah that's right yeah Mm. do you tell my listeners a bit more about yourself and your research and your practice sure so um as a clinical
0: psychologist, I, I work with um, a range of presentations that people come for, you know, seeking help. Most of the time, it's through um, their GP that they recognize that they might be going through, you know, depression, anxiety, stress, or other difficulties in, in life. So a lot of normal things that we can all go through. Um, so I see children um, through to older adults um you know a lot of children come in with anxiety so approximately one in ten children have an anxiety disorder so quite common um really really important to address it early on so a lot of my research has been in that field as well so
1: could you talk just briefly about um how this sort of responding to emotions um plays into anxiety for sure. Yeah, so that was
0: the focus of um a PhD study that I did at Macquarie University through Center for Emotional Health. That was with um Professor Jenny Hudson, who's a you know world-renowned expert on anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Um so we we really wanted to look at um you know how children anxious children regulate emotions Um, obviously they've got an anxiety disorder they're having difficulties with regulating those feelings but to more broadly look at other emotions as well so handling sadness and anger and also if there were any links to parenting like what we've just discussed and you know what we found was consistently there was four studies that we conducted and, and consistently across those we found that anxious children had greater difficulty with um, you know identifying emotions in themselves knowing how to cope with those negative emotions so not just fear-based ones but when they're sad not knowing what to do um, and how to communicate that and what we found as well was that parents of anxious children also had some difficulty in that area um, so their philosophy if you like what we spoke about before their emotion beliefs tended to not be as high on emotion coaching so You know, perhaps there's something there that they they struggle with emotions maybe in themselves, um, you know, being able to recognize it in their children and to help talk it through with them. So that's what came up. They weren't necessarily always more negative. It's just that at times I think they didn't quite know what to do, particularly if anxious children who do experience emotions quite intensely are expressing a lot of anger. You know, it's quite dysregulated, slamming doors, getting upset quite frequently, that, that may also have an effect on the parent's ability to you know effectively coach that all the time like we were talking about before Um, so there were some important things that came up with that that we need to incorporate that you know in treatment um being able to help parents deal with those emotions in their children um helping themselves you know what happens in you when you when your child expresses that
1: so sort of yes for anxious children, it's almost like situations themselves aren't necessarily what's making them anxious, but they're almost scared of the emotions that they might bring about in themselves and they don't know how to handle those emotions. That's correct. That's right. So a lot of times it's not just the situation. It's actually, yeah, they are just
0: overwhelmed. They don't, don't know what's going on, you know, because anxiety can often present very Well, it does in very physical ways. Where an anxious child won't necessarily communicate and say, "I'm scared." Mm. They will. They will just look withdrawn. They might seem afraid or not do anything. And what they're experiencing, you know, uh, is feeling sick in the tummy. Mm. They might have headaches. They're not having, you know, not able to go to sleep. Not communicating, so they will shut down. Mm. Mm.
1: So when we're seeing. This is anxiety over, for example, going to a party or something. Mm. Um, focusing on the party itself and how that's going to be is, is not necessarily actually getting to what's causing the anxiety in the first place, necessarily. I think it can.
0: I think there may be factors about the party that could be, you know, triggering certain worries. So, some children who might have some social worries, for example, who tend to, you know, be shyer or who even have trouble separating from their parents mm. um, which is quite common um may have concerns about who's going to be at the party um uh is are their friends going to be there that they that they like and can enjoy like what other people are going to be there? So a lot of uncertainty about what's actually going on yeah. um so it can be helpful to talk about that as well are you, are you can you know are you feeling shy yeah um, are you concerned that, you know, Johnny's not going to be there or, yeah. you know, those sorts of things to work out whether or not they're actually unlike unwilling to go because they're concerned about who, who is there or who is not there and and so on. Or even sometimes parties can be frightening for children. Some don't like clowns. Yeah. Some don't like loud noises. Yeah. Um, they struggle to participate in games and to, to go all crazy. They sort of hold back um, because they're, you know, just not feeling confident. Yeah,
1: uh, so about that. About it in advance, I guess, in a way, might um, help to inoculate them to some extent. Not only in preparing them for what might be expected, but also in raising a little bit of those emotions, just a little bit, while you're yeah, thinking about it in advance. That's
0: right. Yeah, and then you can work on strategies of, of what we can do. Yeah. So the child who's who's feeling that they don't um, can't separate, you know, talking through. Well, how about I stay for a little bit and hang around you know or well, this time around i can stay for the whole time but then next time i'll stay for you know only half the time you know so working it through in that way so that you can actually you know help them to build confidence and again this is over time
1: yeah yeah, yeah. okay fascinating so i notice you also have a blog on blog on your site um are there any blog posts that our listeners might find particularly interesting among- yeah sure i mean i am
0: due to roll out a few more blogs actually and also on these sorts of topics because um i do enjoy you know you know writing um and talking about these sort of you know parenting topics and the really common questions that come up as well so um i do want to update that um but i do have one at the moment there on validating your children that listeners might find oh, helpful yeah, yeah. Right. and there's also one just on anger itself um Talking more towards adults but that can certainly be quite helpful to have a read um i tend to share more through um facebook and twitter um so links on my website on my web page are through there as well so as i you know um, come across articles um all research findings i'll tend to post those
1: okay great well what i might do is in the show notes i'll add a link to your facebook and twitter accounts as mm-hmm. well as your blog and those particular blog articles
0: great yeah, Sounds good. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's a great topic. I think um, you know, children, their emotions. Uh, it's something that we just need educating on. I think that it's you know, as we know, babies aren't born with a with a handbook, and you know, each child's quite different. So, having three boys myself, I know that in some cases, like with one child who is more intense and you know, driven and emotional. Um, there's a lot more work that's had to go into place there. So really, you know, for him compared to, say, another one who's far more chilled, relaxed, easygoing, compliant, (laughs) you know, there are differences in personality and temperament that do actually make a big difference here. And it can feel like you're having to parent differently, and sometimes that's completely appropriate that you do. Yeah because you need to meet those individual needs so, um, you know, they are different uh, and so it's having to just, yeah, work with them and what they need in that way. So some children may have that tendency to be more angry yeah. and to lash out and so more work needs to be put in there or some children, you know, can accept things a little bit easier.
1: You can find the show notes for this episode with all those links, including Dr. Catherine Hurrell's blog and psychology practice at www.practicalresearchparenting.com forward slash tantrum.